For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 372 of This Old Marketing for Friday, April 21st, 2023. And with me, as always, back from his epic, epic gulp trip, is my pal, my colleague, and a media mogul who did not settle for $787 million, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Hi. Can you... Im- <laughs> Hi. Can you... I'm- well, here's the thing. First of all, welcome back. Thank you. It's um, good to be back. Thank and, you. And, appreciate it. And and, uh, and 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 it sounds like you're feeling. Better, oh my which is goodness! Always, yeah. I told you before yeah. we started this thing that I don't even want to listen to last week's episode because I could barely bust out two words together without coughing. You, but we made you it. You found a little sniffle, eh? You, now yeah, but now I'm getting my low, yeah. my low, my Luther Vandross yeah. Yeah. voice. Yeah, exactly. Feeling good. Yeah. Back. Morning drive time with Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose. Welcome. <laughs> Is this Joey Scott on the spot recording live from the Erie County Fair? Um, anyways, I used to do that. Uh, I, I that uh, that seven hundred and eighty some million dollar settlement, yeah, seemed quite excessive. That's a lot of money. Well, they were looking for a billion, so well, I mean, they pretty much got it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the 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 theory seems to be Fox came in and went five hundred mil. They went, no, nope, we're going to a billion, and they went, okay, seven hundred and fifty. No, nope, we're going to a bill. Okay, seven hundred and eighty-seven. All right, we'll take it. <laughs> like, oh yeah, what's the? That's probably you know? the way it happened. They just got fifty-one, fifty-two. All right, I feel good at eighty-seven. Let's just, yeah, let's well, eighty-seven. It's a it's an oddly specific number, right? I mean, so you, you, there's something about the number, like maybe uh, thirty-seven million of it is the lawyers' fees, and so they get a clean seven hundred and fifty. Oh, that that million. You know what? Or, now you're thinking. You're thinking like when yeah. you win the lottery, and, and you got to figure out the after tax. Like, what do I get? Right. That's right. Exactly. That's, that's that's pretty good stuff. So yeah, I, I, I it's interesting though that nothing else, right? No apologies. No on air admission nothing else oh well that don't be ridiculous i mean come on yeah right (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah i mean it's interesting i mean it's the same thing i'm not just picking on fox news here it's the same thing with msnbc or cnn you have the majority of broadcasting on those channels that aren't news they're commentary so well that is the news these days it's it's uh, there was a comedian who said this uh a long time ago. This is nothing new, right? But the today's cable news is not news. It's what people think about the news, right? It, it, you know, and so it is literally talking heads telling you what you should think about yep. what happened. Well, it's kind of like it's us. It's not what happened. It's yeah. kind of like we are not a news right. show. Oh, we're no, a news we're not a news commentary show. show. Commentary you show, shouldn't right. necessarily believe anything we're saying. It's just our deep, dark thoughts about the news. Yes, but we don't purport ourselves to be journalists, though, either. No, you know I, I, mean? would like... I would never do that. Yes, that's a very good point. But yeah, uh, but yes, are... I uh, thank you. I had a great time golfing. We did like I don't know, 150 holes in three and a half days as normal. Just that's just insane. Golf. That's just insane. Totally I'm insane. just going to say it out loud. Is insane. Yeah, we got down there. We played. I think we played 13 holes. We got in before dark. The next day we played 36. The next day we played. 45 and 45 and then we left 18 and, and gone so so you like golf 20 you, years you, in a you, row we've you, been doing this santee yeah. south carolina i gotta tell you there's not much to do in santee other than golf uh and you can bass fish <laughs> yeah well. that would be that would be more my speed bass fishing it's, Go, it's yeah so, going fishing yeah it's so beautiful there's a huge lake lake marion which is right there it's yeah. right off of 95 it's one of the largest uh, people-made lakes in the world, and um, and there's fish in it, and people go fishing, or they hit golf balls in it, one or the other, and uh, and we had, we decided to hit balls in it, but yeah, we had a great time. We had nine guys this year <laughs> go down do our thing. Nice, nice, and uh, and now I'm prepping, I'm prepping for the. I have the merit. You believe this? Two th- two days from from the this show going live, I will be 
uh, running in my first marathon. And I'm, that's amazing too. That's I mean, the, you know, talk about more insanity. But yes, uh, it's I'm I'm very proud for you. Do you have any very, advice very for me? For you. Um, I know I have none. Uh, I have z- no. I have zero <laughs> advice for you because I can't even imagine doing anything for you know three hours and twenty six miles. But you, you, God bless you. You're gonna go do it. What 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 is a good? T- See, I don't I don't even know what I said makes any sense. What is a good time for someone like you to run a marathon? In? So uh, so what's interesting is when you tell people that you're running a marathon, you get a tantamount of advice from people all around the world that will give you their tips. And by the way, I love getting them. So I've been right. getting texts and emails and voicemails from people giving me tips wow the, the one of the, the all right yeah it's so it's very very nice my only advice is not to do it right? well <laughs> but, but otherwise yeah this was my yeah. wife's advice basically yeah. i'm crippling her schedule she's like uh yeah stop it <laughs> like so I, I basically promised her that this was going to be my only one i'm doing this i'm turning 50 in may so basically two weeks after i run this i'll turn 50 so do the whole bucket list thing uh, i've been told by these many people that run marathons that I'm not supposed to set a time goal. Your goal is survival. Your goal is to finish. So don't now. That said, I honestly would like to be in before four hours and 30 minutes. That's a around a 10, 17, 10, 18 split per mile, just to give you an idea. So cheapers creepers. So four and a half hours. I mean, I would like to do. Yeah, that's that's wow. I mean, that's impressive. I, I, well, I, I so I just, just to give you an idea, I have I have run many many half marathons, which is thirteen point one miles, and my sure. uh, my times are generally around two hours, which is about a nine minute mile. Now I'm doubling that, so I'm thinking. I mean, I've done the training. I should be around ten minutes a mile, but here's what I don't know, Robert, and because I've never been there. So, when you get to when you train, do you actually run a marathon or do you just no. do you just this will be the, run a the longest I've run is I've so I've got this whole schedule and you work up to it. So I don't know, something like eight weeks ago I ran thirteen miles. And then six weeks ago I ran fifteen and then I ran I got to nineteen and then I ran a little over uh, almost twenty two. So that's the most I've ever run. I actually ran the twenty two when I was in London. And I ran in this beautiful park area called Battersea Park, and it was just amazing. I did mile one and mile twenty over the Thames River. I just so it's one. It's just just a nice thing to do. Yeah. But uh, I've never run more than twenty two, and and they basically tell you all these smart people that I talk to that that you get to nine, mile nineteen to mile twenty one, and you you will hit a wall. So and it's mental from that point on, where you just have to push through because your body doesn't want to move anymore. So, Ugh, God, I can't even. So I basically, you know, I know I'm gonna. I gonna get think there it's and, amazing. Yeah, I think it's and we'll see. unbelievably wonderful and and uh, insane at the same time. But I've got so. I'm all I'm totally prepared for it. I've got my my gels that I'm gonna eat every four or five miles to keep my <laughs> calorie intake. Oh my I gotta take yeah. my water. All right. I've got my nipple yeah. protectors, which are very important there it is. by the way. I know. Oh yeah, my yeah, God. no, I hear. Uh, I hear. Yes. Oh, you don't want you you don't want <laughs> you don't want to run along race without protecting your nipples in some way. Yeah. So that's, we won't that go should be the that. title that's of the a show. Whole different episode. That should be the title of the show. Nipple protection? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, why not? So. Elon, Elon Musk and nipple protection. There we go. That will be... So I'll be glad when it's done. Yeah, I'll be glad. We've, I've got on uh, a cheering section that's going to come and, and cheer me on. Super. Well, I will be there virtually. I will be there in spirit cheering you I will on. F- I'm sure I'll feel your presence about mile 19 or 20 and you're going to say what is wrong with your brain and why are you doing this and i'm going to push through anyways as i take a sip of my giant tequila and say what the f is wrong with you (laughs) so anyways yeah so 6 30 in the morning i will take off from toledo ohio and hopefully four and a half hours later i will be done and i will let you know i'll text you and let you know that I survived nice. and made it, and of course our our my you know our good friend J.K. is running it as well. I fully I know, expect that I he know. will be way ahead of me 
He is he is trained much better well, he's also, longer than he's I He's also have. younger than you. Yeah, he's, younger he's younger than, than me. Than he's yeah. in better yeah. shape. He's got great looking tattoos. I can't match this. But that's right. That, but I will finish. It's a whole thing. I will finish. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's it. So basically I just talked five minutes about things that nobody cares about. Uh, with no, no, these are things that everybody cares about. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we do have a show. We do. We do have. I mean, it was a chock a block week filled with news. That's for sure. Um, while you were gone, um, some of it we will cover in some things that happened while you were gone. But then, you know, a lot of things have happened even this week. And so we'll start. We'll talk a little bit about how X now marks the spot. Twitter, uh, we knew ye once, is now <laughs> X. Uh, and you know that, you know, the fine meme with the dog sitting in the fire. Yeah. That's Elon on Twitter spaces talking about X and going, yeah, everything's fine here. He says, uh, we'll also talk about Drake because yeah, we've don't talk about Drake enough. Mm -hmm. And he finally had a song go viral, but it may not actually be him. Uh, then we'll talk about podcasting and how Gimlet podcasting that deal with Spotify looking just ever more fragile as the days go by, and it is now going free. Uh, and we'll end up, we'll talk a little bit about video games and how user-generated content in video games are they now, dun-dun-dun, draw back the curtain, the top forms of entertainment, and what that may mean about our idiocracy as we move <laughs> forward. And then uh, we will actually, we're going to introduce a new segment, um, which we're starting to get, which is the lovely voicemails that you're leaving us uh, on the website. So thank you for that. And we're going to start taking questions. We're starting to get some really great questions from you. And so we'll insert a new segment from questions from the audience. And then, of course, we'll do rants and raves. Uh, and uh, and uh, Joe will be talking a little bit about the movie Air uh, with the, the 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 bromance that is uh, uh, <laughs> Matt Damon and, and Ben and, Affleck. And ben oh Affleck, yeah. yeah. And then I will rave a little bit our, about our good friend, Ardeth Albee. She wrote a blog recently that I just absolutely love, and it references a research report that all B2B marketers need to be paying attention to. So... Just a, a cornucopia, if you will, of good stuff to talk about. You know, I got to tell you, I know we're doing this uh, Q and A at the at the end, but it is so nice yeah. to hear people's voice. I mean, we I see oh, the it's downloads, so wonderful. I see the tweets. Yeah, they're exactly. all wonderful. But to hear a human person's voice, not an AI generated voice, is a nice thing. That's right. It's a really nice thing. It's a really it nice feels thing. It like we really have an audience of people that listen to this. podcast. It does. Like real people, not just bots. Yeah. Because we didn't know before. That I just saw numbers. <laughs> I just saw numbers. Those could be real. Those numbers. could be bots. They, it could be. Those could, could be. be. Although, I don't even know that bots would bother with this show. But yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that know, would be a surprise if we just, got bot attacked. It would be a surprise. It's like, why it would, would the bots waste their time? That's right. What? That's right. It's just wasted like, Go waste it on cycles. Joe Rogan. Don't waste it on us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. We are moving to our first story here, which, of course, is about uh, Twitter. We, uh, we're we not going to do the Elon Musk theme, uh, you know, the Musky scent here, because it is, uh, well, just we're not going to. We I think we've retired uh, Musky we, scent. We might have to. The scent yeah, is too strong. We might have to retire that, the Musky scent. The scent is too <laughs> strong. We can't so, handle the scent. The article, we're going to link to a couple of articles here in the show notes. Uh, but the first one comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch, although many of the uh, other uh, media outlets are reporting on this. Of course, Twitter Inc. is now X Corp. Uh, since Twitter is no longer a public company, the article opens up by saying it does not have to report updates like name changes to the SEC. But in any case, the new name was spotted in an April 4 document related to far-right activist Laura Loomer's lawsuit against Twitter and Facebook. Twitter Inc. has been merged into X Corp and no longer exists, the document states. Elon Musk, who purchased Twitter for $44 billion last year, has aspired to build what he calls X, the everything app. This proposed app might look like China's WeChat, which supports messaging, payments, ride-sharing, food delivery, and other services all in one app. Musk has applauded WeChat for its convenience and utility, yet its unique dominance could be impossible to replicate outside of China. The name also harkens... Uh, harks? 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 The harks, harks, harks the herald? What? Is harks actually a verb? Can I think you say harkens, harks? isn't it? Yeah, I don't think you can harks. say harks anyway, in certain states, harks, but go ahead. 
Uh, it sounds like an AI-generated word. The, the name also harks back to X.com, Musk's financial services startup that spun into PayPal. The article goes on to talk a little bit about how uh, Twitter, Twitter is struggling with bugs uh, and the blue subscriptions being sort of, uh, you know, sort of not meeting expectations. And that segues us to the other article that we'll link to in the show notes, which is from MarketWatch, which might be the most... I don't know, candy-coated, wrapped uh, article that I've seen in some time where the headline is, Elon Musk, Twitter is operating at a break-even and could turn profitable in a matter of months. And the article goes on to talk about in just, you know, with, with, with no sense of skepticism at all about how Twitter is now doing wonderful in all of the advertising and coming back and uh, everything is doing well. They're even going to be profitable within a few months, says Elon and MarketWatch says nothing of the sort uh, to actually dispute any of that. Um, so what do you think about all this? What's the, what's, I mean, this is all coming together. What do you think about the X, X, X thing? And, and you know, is this, is this the beginning of the development of Twitter, evolution of Twitter, or does anybody care anymore? No, well, the... the the last point that you made is probably the most relevant. I've, I've had, I'm sure you have as well. I've had conversations with a lot of marketers and content people, and they are losing faith in Twitter rapidly. Um, and that, so that's the concern, right? How long yes, are people, including yours truly? Yeah. yeah. How long are people going? Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, you've had, you've talked about it for months, and yeah. So how long are are the is the core audience of Twitter going to hold on to this whole thing? Now the the creation of X Corp, you know, I, I'm I could be making this whole thing up, but what it said to me when I saw it was, and it's funny you you sent over the Market Watch article was creating a, an X Corp above Twitter. They're not changing the name of Twitter. They're creating this larger entity, and generally when that happens, um, or I've seen that happen, it's because you can hide money more effectively. That way. Right, of course. So if yes. he wants to make, if he as an Elon Musk wants to make Twitter profitable, he can do so by moving money around into the parent exactly. company X Corp, and say, "Oh, look, Twitter is profitable, and here it is." X Corp isn't right, yeah. but Twitter is. Yeah, yes. because we we took two billion or three billion dollars of costs and move it around to this project or that one or whatever. Now Alphabet is a public company, but they've really done the same thing. I mean, they can move around and say Google is more profitable because we moved these R&D costs over to something else and happens all the time. So when I saw this come through, that's the my initial thought was, oh, okay, he wants Twitter to look profitable uh, in some time in the future. And that was part of it. I, I find it hard to believe that the everything app is a thing because as you know, I mean, if you take a sole purpose of an app and then say it's going to do 10 things in the next six months, that's always worked, right? I mean, that's... It's, right, exactly. I yeah. think WeChat is probably the only example of this actually working because if you look at all the other apps, if you look at Facebook and you look at Instagram and you look at Snap and whatever, it's still only a couple things they do really well. I mean, yep. Facebook Marketplace, I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. Facebook Groups, okay, but basically... And then you got Facebook, Messaging, eh, that's about it. It's not doesn't do ten or twelve or fifteen different things, and that's happened over a decade plus. So, I don't know what what do you, what do you think the play is here by Elon? If if there is a play, I think I agree with you one hundred percent. This is all of this is all about finances, right? This is yeah, it's it's a, it's a ruse. I tell you, it's a blue ruse. It's a blue ruse. It's a blues. Um, you it, it is. This is definitely about moving money around. The, 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 certainly, the short term part of this is so that he can do exactly what you just said, which is he can move expenses to a different business. It's a way to obfuscate. And he may actually come out with, you know, I, I would not be surprised in the next couple of months to see him come out with new Twitter financials and say, hey, we're profitable. Um, How you know, could, and man, could you, well, just think about the cost structure. I mean, from what the Market Watch article says, Twitter's top ten advertisers spent seventy one million dollars in ads in, from September to October, but that's dropped to seven point six million in the last two months from those ten advertisers. That's yeah, that's scary. You can't yeah, drop the cost structure that quickly to make it profitable. I don't, I don't no. think it's possible to do that. But. Well, you 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 can. If you start moving things around, yes. right? So yes. 
all that, all that, you know, and, and, and look, I'm no accountant. And again, this is not a financial services show. So I don't know that any of this is what I'm about to say is legal or But proper. you are a journalist. But I am a journalist. <laughs> I am a journalist. Yes, that's right. I am a. Um, we're fair and balanced, yes, is what that's we are, exactly Joe. Exactly right. Um, and so, uh, you could move all those debts. So you know the two biggest expenses for for Twitter are almost assuredly infrastructure, data services, and uh, employees. Right. So those are the two big things. And he's cut slashed both of those those costs. But he still has debt, right? He still has severance pay to people that he's laid off. He's still got, I'm sure, uh, freelancers and professional services that he has to pay and owes money to. He's got uh, infrastructure such as hosting and data services and all those kinds of things that I'm sure are a huge number. He could move all those expenses to X as a parent company and say, basically, we provide all of the infrastructure uh services to to Twitter and really just keep Twitter's, you know, they all become ex-employees, in other words. And so Twitter really doesn't have any employees at that point. Therefore, it has no employee cost and it doesn't have any, uh, it doesn't have any infrastructure cost. And so if you look at it through that lens, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it only needs about $7 million to be profitable because there are no, there are no costs. It wouldn't hold up in a public company, of course, because people would be, you know, they would be freaking out. But in a private company, he can say whatever he wants. It doesn't matter is the is the ultimate point, right? It, 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 as a private company, it doesn't matter whether it's profitable or not. It only matters whether it's going to be viable going forward. And the only viable thing I can see going forward, I mean, you know, I've I think I've given up trying to read the tea leaves of something smart that he's trying to do here, but if he's trying to build that super app thing, that would be the play and use Twitter as an identity service, right? Be where everybody already has, an, there's, you know, anybody who would jump onto X as a sort of super app to do messaging, payments, you know, sort of Venmo meets, uh, uh, you know, Venmo meets, I guess, Twitter meets something else, right? Maybe Uber Eats or some delivery service or maybe some other app, um, then you need an identity, right? You need, you need a unique identity. And everybody, and I, I mean everybody in italics and rock and roll quotes, people now have a Twitter account. So you immediately start with the hardest part of this, which is getting people an, a unique identity on a platform. Now all you're doing is you're adding services to it so people might be, and this is the, the the big, again, italics and rock and roll quotes, might be more willing to stay if all of a sudden, hey, Twitter, now you can use Twitter as a payment service. Hey, now you can use Twitter as a, you know, and but it's not called Twitter anymore. It's called, you know, X, right? So, so it, that's the only thing I can think of, right, that would be remotely useful yeah, to building yeah. back up a company. Yeah, I'm not buying it just because of the fact that they've yeah, cut I, back I don't, I'm not either. so yeah. much. And, and if you if you look at it, if you say that the future is in a, is in a verification service of some kind, Meta's got them beat. Meta verified, of course, is where I mean of you've course. already got yeah, yeah. most of the people in the world on Facebook. Most of the people that I know are not on Twitter. I mean, most of the like all the content creators are, marketers are, but not, not sure. Everyone. That's a good point. So, I don't know. Great point. It could be a bougie verification service, I guess. If a anything. bougie. <laughs> 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 that's it uh, there it is get your bougie verification there, service now that's, you, that is the, the title price of the show dollars a month or that is, is the title of the show twitter the bougie identification service there you but go. i think that my concern is is it is it is it worth you and i spending obviously you've already you know ditched it for the most part but is it worth my time is it worth anyone listening to this time I don't know. I'm just I, the only reason I'm sticking around is because a I enjoy interacting with our audience there, uh, and and b it just as a hedge, right? Because it's I'm I'm not spending a lot of time there at all, so I'm I'm hedging against you know the the, the if something good happens, but. Yeah, like I said last uh, two weeks ago on the show, I I I, I don't care. I don't care if it goes away. I, I don't. It, it that's that's what tells me that it's really gone downhill. You know, there are there are platforms that I hate use. You know what I mean? It's like t- I've I have felt bad about not getting into TikTok. 
Yeah, and you're and you're right about TikTok. I know a ton of people that are that are just hitting home runs left and right on TikTok, but I just can't I just can't do that. The the China thing bothers me. And and I don't know what the future is. Again, I don't want to invest time in that. Plus, I don't have the time and we've talked about it. Like you've got to like everybody knows I'm I'm on LinkedIn, 100% LinkedIn. That's my that's that's where I, what I've called home. That's where I can be great. And I, I can't be great anywhere else. I don't want to spend more time, um, you know, spent creating videos and learning another platform and whatever and, and going down the rabbit hole. And actually, that's the thing that bothers me the most. I know a few people that are on TikTok and they spend hours a day in that algorithm. And I just. Yeah, they do. It just doesn't feel right. I'm like, we're already losing time as human beings to so many other things. It's like, okay, let's lose time to this. But I digress. I digress. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, let's move on to our next story here. And it's an interesting one uh, because it comes to us from the world of popular music. Uh, This is from The Morning Brew, however, uh, what we'll link to in the show notes. And it is AI Drake Bop. Drake Bop? Bop. Drake Bop. Mark's new era. Drake Bop. AI Drake Bop marks new era for music pirates. AI-generated songs that emulate the voice of pop stars have been proliferating across the internet and no getting pushback way. from the music industry. Is the music pushback. industry that upset that, that there's that, AI versions? Is that versions what the kids are calling it? Of yeah. their superstars? Yeah. That's hard to believe. I can't admit. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, a new Drake and The Weeknd uh, collaboration just dropped. Well, not quite, says the article, but an AI-generated song rendered in Drake's voice featuring another voice that sounds like The Weeknd called Heart on My Sleeve dominated the FYP. What is FYP? What is FYP? Okay. Okay, you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The track, which sounds like a back and forth between Drake and The Weeknd about Selena Gomez, The Weeknd's ex, was released on TikTok by at Ghostwriter977, an anonymous producer wearing a white sheet and sunglasses. That's always a good look. Uh, the TikTok rough video racked up more than 10 million views despite scratchy audio and faulty vocals. But the song was removed yesterday, not only from TikTok, but from Spotify and Apple Music, though I'll tell you I listened to it on YouTube and it's still there, where it had been streaming less virally since April 4th, ostensibly at the request of record label Universal Music Group, which uh, works with both artists. Labels want things to go their way. While it may not, uh, while it may delight the internet, pop hit slinging AI is not music to the ears of artists and companies that owns rights to the songs, and the threat to their business appears to be growing. AI versions of Rihanna and Eminem have also been released unsanctioned in the recent weeks. Uh, basically, uh, this article goes on to talk about how uh, it's it's that uh, Universal Music Group was reportedly the one re- uh, responsible for taking down Hard on My Sleeve. And basically, everybody's up in arms about this. And I've now listened to the song. I'd love to get your take. You're you're a much uh, bigger fan of uh, hip hop and uh, probably and more than, than more than you. More yes, than that's you. for sure. I wouldn't call myself a fan, but yes, I, I do. I listened to it and went, "This is the most meh song I've heard in a long time." But what did you think? Well, it's uh, it did sound like Drake. It sounded a little bit like The Weeknd, uh, and the song was, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's It sounds like half the songs my son listens to. So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> God, right. What do I know? It, no, are there any songs that have a melody anymore? Not really. Not since Barry Manilow, as far as I'm concerned. There but, it is. There it is. <laughs> now I'm showing my age. <laughs> okay, Boomer. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, just so you know, FYP, and this is why we don't know what it is. FYP is For You Page, is an acronym that means For You Page and refers to the page on TikTok. It's the first ah, thing you see on recommended okay. content. There no you go. wonder we don't know because we're not on TikTok. There, well, we are we old hip. boomers. We, we don't are know not this. hip. Yeah, we, we are, are not hip. Not know this at all. Um, so, yeah, what did you think of the song? You, you just like, meh. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it was very it's very repetitive. Yes, um, of course. There's not there's not it doesn't really have classic song structure. There's not really a repeating chorus or a hook uh, or anything like that. It sounded relatively professionally made. Um, I you know the the vocals. I mean, the musician in me went. This is an awful mix. I I, I think the mix was not great. 
Um, and the the piano part, which sort of is the through line through the whole song, is like, okay, it's a nice intro, uh, and it's a nice, ho- you know, it's a little bit of that 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 sort of you know hooky intro, but it it, it gets very annoying about you know a minute into the song. So I I, I just went, all right, I, this would not be a song I would listen to from a human, much less an AI. So it didn't it, it didn't really affect yeah, you, me you one way or the other. The- you're definitely yeah. not the target audience. I'm not the target market for sure, but at the same time, it seems like if an AI is going to create a song, this is exactly the kind of song that it would create, which is a repetitive synth-sounding uh, loop with a drum loop and spoken words over the top of it, right? Which is really all it is. I mean, there's some singing, kind of singing in there. This is the weekend, I guess, his voice uh, sampled or, or or AI generated or something, but yeah, I, I I was unimpressed. I'll put it that way. Well, I think I think the the big point of this whole thing and why we're talking about it is the last line of the article that says AI expert Roberto Nixon. I don't know Roberto, but called this a modern Napster moment. And I think what we're starting to see is you can now write in the style of any author you can if you want to write in the style of stephen king you can throw it into ai and make it happen if you want to art in the style of any famous artist that can happen too and you can use prompts or you can use original art or whatever you want and you could do the same thing with music so you can write any song and have it sound like any professional popular but artist out there that has that has been I mean, the only difference is how fast it can be generated. That's exactly that, right. You that, don't have to work. That's the, but I think that's the key, right? You don't have to work very hard to do this. I would imagine that. So let's say this person took a couple out. I, I would say a couple hours were put into making this song, right? Maybe. Somebody wrote I the lyrics. Yeah. yeah or, right. or AI wrote the lyrics. Right. Like, give, me, give me a good jam that Drake would write. Yeah. Boom. There it is. Use uh, on this part. Use Drake's voice. On this part, use the Weekend's voice. Or there's also Rihanna's ver- versions out there. There's Eminem versions out there. Sure. And stuff. Yep. It's just it's just going to be interesting. And I, what I don't know is, and we're going to talk about one a question from from one of our listeners uh, next week as well. Just about what uh, we as content creators do we have responsibility to say this AI. Generative AI or AI functionality was used to create this part of this content. Do we have yeah. to do that now? Is that going to be a thing? I, I think I think it might be. I think it might be this. This book was written by AI and not by a human being. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah, how I, that's going to happen. Well, it seems you know, like it's going to be a thing at some point. It, it will. It certainly will, uh, and it'll be it, it'll be a challenge that needs to be. Uh, and needs to be addressed for sure, uh, which will be the, this is the amateur and or the nefarious creation of these kinds of things, but it is the speed and quantity that will be the challenge, not the fact that it exists. Yes, because I agree with you. Because this has existed forever, right? Because in other words, you can see that the person responsible for this didn't ever expect this to become, you know, it's like it's not like they went, "Ooh, I'm going to fake creating a Drake song and I'm going to make millions," right? There's that's there's just no realistic expectation of that, right? Because there's no way. First of all, it's not. I mean, first of all, by the way, anybody owns that song. You can do whatever you want with it, right? There's no copyright on it. Um, but there's the but there's no expectation from that original creator that they're going to make money off of this, and and that will be really hard because the song would have to be registered it would have to be you know there, there would have to be all kinds of things that would have to happen that would inevitably even in today's sort of dinosaur you know legacy systems be caught at some point because the same risk you know i can go to my pro tools and open up my keyboard and i can make a drake song to you know i mean i'm not i don't sound like drake but i could easily uh, find somebody who sounds like Drake to come in and rap over something that I created that sounds like Drake. It would just take more time than AI takes. And what would I do with that then? You know, would I would I you know would I would I upload it to YouTube and purport it to be my own? No, that's silly because it sounds like Drake, and it's just all it's going to do is call attention to the fact that I'm trying to sound like Drake. So there's no the motive. You have to you have to question what's the motivation here, right? What's the why why would this be a thing? 
There's and, no there's no financial motivation. This right. is, motivation is is to see if it, what what happens in chaos. Right. And That's exactly craziness. So and you, know, you got a you got a billion people on TikTok that might just decide, hey, you get you get a small percentage of those people saying, let's to see what happens. Let's create right. all this music out it's there. It's the Joker, it. right? It's it's the Joker, right? It's it's it'll it's be unman- all, you know, unmanageable. Some people just like to watch the world burn, right? And that's that's the that's the that's what we need to be aware of here. It's because uh, yes, I can build something. I can write something in AI that gives me the tone and the voice of Stephen King. That doesn't mean it's going to be a hit. You know, that's right. Because part of the value of content created is from the creator, and so. When the creator says it's not mine, you know, I, I think the more interesting thread is where artists like Drake start using AI to create their own material, right? Where they get lazy. You know, I, I was actually talking with this, I was actually talking with uh, someone uh, on an interview. Uh, this week about AI, and we were talking about the creation of, you know, we we're talking a little bit about the copyright thing that we talked about here on a, a couple of weeks ago, but the, um, uh, I was talking about the, the idea of creating blog posts or white papers or those kinds of things in, you know, in our marketing strategy. And the question was, is that a good idea? And I said, I don't know why you would want it to be a good idea. It, you know, in other words, isn't part of the enrichment of our job and our life to create that stuff? In other words, if we view ebooks, white papers with such disdain that we're that we want to automate that process of the thinking and the ideas and the things that we want to create, then do are we really are, are we really enjoying our lives as thought leaders or as creators? Part of the enjoyment of the creation and the enrichment of the thing is is that we do it. So I can totally get over creating an, a, a summary of a white paper or an abstract to a webinar or a description of a podcast or a summary of a transcript of a speech, that gives me efficiency. It gives me great fodder for content that I want to create. But I, I wouldn't want to give that up. I don't, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to give up the creation of the things that I create because part of the reason I do what I do is because I enjoy the creation of it. So True, I, but I don't, not everybody has altruistic. I totally. Points. That's so comes back to the comes back to the know. Joker mentality. Yeah, exactly. It it should it should be interesting. And and again, we're we're a year, well, less than a year. We're getting really into the political season. It's gonna be nuts. Yeah. With and I, I don't know how. Speaking you, of you Batman, and I know it's a lot get of people nuts. that can't tell the difference with anything anymore, and and yeah. don't do the do, do do the research to find out what's real and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. It, exactly. It's gonna get. Crazy. So, all right. Fun. All right. Moving fun, on fun, very fun. quick. Very fun, fun, fun. Uh, quickly moving on to our next story here, which is from Semaphore. Uh, by the way, very much enjoying Semaphore uh, and my subscription to Semaphore. Uh, fantastic news outlet. Um, just uh, just as a, I get nothing out of that. I just wanted to say how much I enjoy the, the, the writing and the content there. Anyway, Spotify will open Gimlet podcasts up to other platforms, says the headline in Semaphore. The scoop? Staff at the podcast studio Gimlet staff have been told in recent weeks that Spotify plans to allow some of the company's shows on other audio platforms. In a statement, a spokesperson for Spotify confirmed it would begin changing exclusivity rules for certain Gimlet shows in the coming months. Given our position as the leading global podcast platform, we are expanding our windowing strategies to increase the audiences and add sales potentials of our shows. The spokesperson said, in this case, we're pursuing broad distribution for some of our original podcasts like Science Versus. This will be done in a case-by-case basis and over time. Spotify acquired Gimlet, of course, for $230 million in 2019 in the hopes that the exclusive access to podcasts would bring new subscribers to the streaming service. The shift away from using exclusive podcasts to acquire subscribers marks the end of that experiment. No, it doesn't, but we'll come back to that. Though it's good news for the fans who can now listen anywhere. The article goes on to talk just a little bit more about some quotes from the CEO, Daniel Elk, uh, etc. Um, what did you What did you think about this? I definitely have a take on that. Well, I think just from exclusive content, uh, let's say the Gimlet content that's on Spotify, you have a decision that you can make, I think, with each podcast show. And they made the decision initially, and Spotify is requiring all these shows like Joe Rogan, which they're not doing with this with, by the way, and say, okay, well, is it going to drive us more revenue 
by people signing up to some kind of Spotify paid. And that was their hope, right? Oh, we got really good content. People will sign up just like uh, SiriusXM signed uh, Howard Stern, which continues to be exclusive, which is why a lot of people continue to sign up for SiriusXM. Obviously, they're looking at the numbers and saying, well, maybe in some cases we should take this off of exclusivity because we can drive more revenue through more listeners and advertising revenue. I think it's it's just somebody looking at the numbers and saying we can drive more revenue through this content being outside of Spotify than with anything. And it's just any media company makes this decision. And I think the hope by Spotify was that, oh, all this exclusive content is going to drive all these subscribers. And it looks like it didn't. That's my take on it. I don't know what you what you think about it. 100% agreed, except I'll just say this. This is nothing new. This is absolutely not. This is a this is a tried, true, age-old uh, strategy by every media company since the birth of television. Uh, you know, it, the, when we started to see movies, you know, when I was a kid, there was the ABC Movie of the Week, and it was always one of the feature films that had been released about six months or eight months earlier uh, in, in the theaters. So these release windows, as media companies have had forever, are all about you offer it exclusively somewhere where you can only get it, for, and, and then you widen out the distribution, and then you add new monetization to it. That's all Spotify is doing here. They're look, and so it's all the question of which properties and how long are the exclusivity windows. So for somebody like Howard Stern or Joe Rogan, those exclusivity windows still haven't ended yet. I would bet that at some point they will. Um, because that what they'll see is is that they've acquired all the new subscribers that they can through that exclusivity. Or the numbers have reached such a plateau or have declined to such a degree that they can now make more money by opening it up and making the advertising revenue uh, and expanding on that. And then that exclusivity window just, just opens again, and you open it for new platforms and new platforms, and you keep going until you've exhausted you know, pretty much the, the, the property. And, and it either continues or they kill it. And so this is, I mean, this is nothing new. This is a classic age-old media strategy of, of release windows, and I think Spotify is doing exactly what they should be doing here with, uh, with monetizing this. This is not the deal coming apart. This is no. exactly what was planned from the very beginning. I don't know if I, yes, I agree with you, but I don't know if it was planned necessarily. I think if it wasn't, hoping, it should have been. They were hoping they wasn't, they wouldn't it have to do been. this. But why would they? they why not. wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Yeah, why wouldn't they do but, this? But I th- that's where you do the numbers. If you're driving the the most amount of revenue, most potential revenue through subscriber generation, then you just keep doing that. Sure. Now you don't have they to open it up. Uh, agreed. So here here's here's where I would agree with that. If if they discovered that, so. I absolutely 100% if if I have any faith in the intelligence of the Spotify executives here and I do I would think that this was planned from the very beginning what I think okay. could have been a surprise was how short the window is right in other words they may have been betting by spending 230 million dollars that that window of exclusivity would have provided more value than it did and what they're doing now is they're is they're again hedging, right? They're they're saying, you know, it didn't, so let's just open it up. Let's start opening it up because we're at a point now where we thought it was going to get X number of paid subscribers, you know, for the next six or eight or another year. That window seems to have really started to close. The data is showing that window is closing. We should just open it up to start maximizing advertising revenue now. That it's a delicate balance when you close that, you know, when you, you know, when you open up that new release window because now you've you've switched the model, right? Because now that now that spigot shuts off. There's no reason that Gimlet actually provides new subscribers anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, the la- the last thing I'll say is 2019, they spent $230 million. That's a different time. That time was about content. It was about um, downloads. Yeah, well, and that's it was true, about too. market share. Yes. And yeah. we are, right now, we're in a time, 2023, of revenue and profit. There would never, that deal would never go through for $230 million. No, that's true. Million but that's true, too. In 23. Yeah. No. That, that can also be true. So that's good for ex- Gimlet. Yeah. yeah. For, good for, for Gimlet. Yeah. Finding the right time to sell. Exactly. So, exactly. Go. And good for Spotify for for doing what seems to be a normal 
part of business. Whether That's or not, exactly right. you know, whether or not they're happy about it, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good <clears throat> yeah. question. Um, very quickly here, we'll, we'll just cover this very quickly because we want to get to our question from the audience here. Uh, basically. Uh, video games and user-generated content are now the top forms of entertainment. This article coming from Fast Company, uh, but actually from a report from Deloitte, their 17th Digital Media Trends Survey, uh, which I have yet to read, but I am going to go find it and read it. Uh, but basically, they say that uh, UGC, or user-generated content, which is going to be TikTok and all those kinds of things, and video games are now the top rated, or excuse, not top rated, but top consumed media uh, basically, uh, they found that overall subscriber churn among streaming services to be around 40% over a six-month period. And among Generation Z and Millennials, though, that rate dropped to 57 and 62% respectively. So the article goes on in some great uh, detail here about the, the idea here. But very quickly, what do you think? I, is this, I mean, are we, are, have we now reached sort of peak TikTok or or where 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 do we go from here? No, I don't think so. I, I think that if you look at it on its on the surface, that the business models of TikTok and YouTube are superior to that of Netflix, Disney Plus, because of the content spend. I mean, yeah. they don't have to spend money on content. That's so, right. I mean for the most part, and they're not. And even Netflix, I mean, they're having their own challenges and they're they're really cutting their content budget because it's you, you're, they're not going to fight that battle anymore. Everybody's cutting their content budgets. That's the first thing that I take from it. The second thing is, is we're getting into, if you look at the younger generation, I mean, I just started to think about my kids and what they use for their content consumption. It's YouTube, it's Twitch, they're on video games, it's Discord, and Snap. I don't use any, I don't basically, outside of watching stuff on YouTube, I don't use any of that stuff. Yeah. But that's the next generation. And what they're using, and I think that if we're going to be smart as content creators and marketers, we need to understand that that's happening and has happened. And of course, this survey tells us it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big uh, I'm a big YouTube conser- uh, consumer, and I'm a big TikTok consumer. So, and it has eaten into my TV and other media consumption for sure. It's it, both of those things have eaten into that, and so it's it's uh, I, I I I believe this a hundred percent. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we don't, I mean, I'm different because I don't, I purposely have stayed off of TikTok while everybody else I know is, is on it. But, uh, but we don't have, you know, there's no cable. We don't, we don't have live TV or anything sure. like that sure. anymore. So, and what the other thing that's interesting, we're not talking about Snap, but I didn't realize that Snap is a messaging tool more than anything else. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and so I, I know, so if I look at my kids, they use Snapchat to communicate. They don't text. Right, using that as their messaging tool. Yeah, it's just Snap and WhatsApp. Is yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah. interesting to see that. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we have our new segment, which is going to be questions from the audience, and we've got a good one this week. And yeah, let's uh, let's let's hear what the question is. Hey guys, this is Peter Brecht. Um, absolutely love your podcast. Um, as someone who doesn't like using social media um, but loves marketing, I've always found myself in this kind of weird space. You know, I'm kind of at this point where I'm trying to build something, but I want to build an audience without having social media as kind of an avenue to get to people. So how would you advise someone like me go about building something that's more private, but meaningful? Thanks. All right, Joe, what do you, what, what do you, so, so rented land, here we go. Uh, what do you think? Can you, is it even possible? To build so, yeah. an audience. So, Peter, thank you so much for the question. We really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, your your thoughtful communication with us. So, if you want to build an audience without social media, it's absolutely possible to do it. But you're cutting out a large portion of your findability strategy. So, there, there you're we're two things as content creators, right? Where one is on the content creation itself, and the other one is audience development. We have to go find an audience for our content to be consumed. So if you focus all of your energy on content creation, whatever that would be. So if you don't use social media, what would you? What could it be? It could be a newsletter, it could be a podcast. Um, so you're, you're relegated to those types of content creation tools, which is totally fine. But you know, a good half of your findability might be on social media. So what are you going to do to replace that? So it is possible. 
I would say you might still want to consider, depending on what your content is, you might still want to consider something like a LinkedIn, which is, I guess, social media light, if you will, or just a more respectful version of, of social media, not as crazy. But you would have to build partnerships with other content creators. I mean, if we look at what we're doing at the Tilt for our driving new subscribers, we have formed a lot of partnerships with a lot of content creators that have the same audience as us, and we do trades. So you could do a lot of trades that promote my stuff. I'll promote your stuff to our audience, and it's usually a win-win. Uh, we use a tool called Sparkloop as well that we get referrals from relevant sites. Um, you can pay for advertising and promotion on other sites. So there absolutely is a way to do it. Um, but I guess I would say... Peter, you don't have to go all in with social media to leverage social media to build an audience. I guess yeah. that's what I would say. Use it. Pick one channel. Pick one channel that you don't feel like you're selling your soul because I think that's what I feel from from Peter. Doesn't want to get that direction, and be thoughtful and be yourself, um, and and use that as a, a a tool. Like I mean, LinkedIn has been great for. I think I shared it on the episode. I don't know where I'm at right now. I'd have to look, but. I've got something like 35,000 subscribers just on LinkedIn. Um, and, and a lot of those people open and read. And that's led to a lot of subscriptions on the tilt. And it's led to a lot of people coming to Creator Economy Expo. So it's hard for me not to appreciate that there are social media vehicles out there that can work. So, yeah. What, what, well, what, but yeah, I'll get the whole rented land thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, here's what I would say is, is that I absolutely think you can think of it in a bit of a different way. So one of the things that I love that Copyblogger did uh, back when we were talking about the, how organic reach on social was becoming non-existent um, was they looked at social in a bit of a different way, which was they what they didn't do was turn off the ability to share on social of their content, right? So they had all their content on their blog and, and their email newsletter, which of course you could, as a consumer of that content, you could share all across social media. But they didn't spend any time, and in fact, basically cut as much time on trying to build any sort of audience on social media. So it's a subtle but important difference, which is thinking about social media as a place to go build an audience or help build an audience. So that means you're, you're going and naturally trying to get a lot of followers and you're trying to, and I know that can be overwhelming, especially if you're just starting out because you're like, geez, how am I going to get, you know, a lot of followers here without just putting, you know, jillions of hours of time into, into doing this and you don't have to. What I would suggest is that leverage the social media for what they're good at, which is reach, which is, Yes, pay if you want to, pay for ads or pay, you know, have an account on the platforms literally so you can just do promoted posts yep. um, and pay, but also to leverage the ability for your content to be shared. So don't turn off social media. Uh, and so you'd have an account, obviously, so that you can, that, that stuff can be shared and you can be tagged. But more importantly, it is so that the content in your newsletter or in your blog can be shared by other people and encourage them to share it. So it's not about building your followers on LinkedIn or your followers on Twitter or your you know likes or whatever on Facebook. It's rather just making your content as shareable as it can be on social so that you can leverage that network. And then paying for reach, like Joe says, is, 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 a, good, is a good situation as well. But absolutely, you can do that these days. It, it may take longer, and it may, depending on your audience, it may, you know, it may hamper you a bit. But I would say it's, it's absolutely doable. Yeah. And, and depending on the business model, we just did the Tilt survey, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. The average content entrepreneur, content creator has 4,000 subscribers. You don't That's have right. to have 100,000 subscribers today to be successful and to build That's a business exactly right. it. That's exactly but, right. But to get to 4,000 subscribers, that's still a lot of people. To yeah. get to 100, to get to 200 um, that read your stuff on a regular basis. So you, you, have, you have all sorts of tools at your disposal from findability, and you want to look at all of them, but you can ultimately choose. It's kind of like the Harry Potter sorting hat, right? It is your choice. Yeah. You don't have to say, I have to do social. You can't yeah. choose. Encourage so. your followers, encourage your subscribers, encourage your audience to share so you leverage their audience. Yeah. That's what that's really what you want anyway, Perfect. right? So great advice. Thank all you, Peter. Good stuff. Yes. Thank you, Peter. Awesome question. All right. Well, before we get to rants and raves, we just want to remind you that you can ask your questions 
uh, at our wonderful little site, thisoldmarketing.site. We, as we said in the beginning of the show, we love hearing your voice, uh, your dulcet tones uh, of singing to us, of giving us poetry, telling us a story, a fable, reading us the ingredients off the spice bottle that you have in your kitchen. Anything you want to do, we'd love to hear. And of course, your questions. We want your questions. Now, that doesn't mean you can't hashtag us up on the Elon-owned profitable platform that is Twitter, um, and you can do all of that as well. We want your story ideas. We want your questions. We want you to ask. Um, We love the voicemail because then, as you've just heard, we can put it into the show and uh, get you right into it. But uh, yeah, so uh, that's, you know, we we want your story ideas. Get get it to us, won't you? So there we go. All right. Um, I have a very quick rave. You have a very quick rave as well. Do you want to go first or shall I? Yeah, I'm I'm happy happy to go first. So uh, my wife and I went to see the movie Air last night. Have you you seen this? Do you know about it? I have not. I do okay. know about it, and I've seen the trailers, but I do not. Uh, I do. I have not seen. It. I know the story. I know. I know how it ends as well. You know how it ends, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, so, anyways, Air. We went to see Air, starring uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And for those people that don't know, it's the story of how Nike, who at this time in 1984 was last in market share for basketball shoes. So many people forget that they ended up signing Michael Jordan, and that's the whole movie. The process of how they do that. Um, for the for the movie and and by the way my review is it's a good movie it's not great but the the story is amazing and what interested me the most is this part of it and I'm not really giving anything away because everybody should know that this happened but so in 1984 Nike sets aside two hundred fifty thousand dollars to sign three or four players from the NBA draft instead Sonny Vaccaro who worked for Nike at the time convinced CEO and founder Phil Knight to put it all into one amazing player, Michael Jordan. So that's what the the movie's about. Now, the sensible decision, what everybody at Nike was going for, was to diversify the investment, spend the two hundred fifty thousand over a couple, and maybe maybe it's a good bet. Maybe something works out. Now, the decision with huge upside but bigger risk would be to bet it all on one player. And I I thought about this in terms of content creation, Robert. There's so many content creators and marketers out there. That they diversify and they spend, you know, minimal time on five, six, or seven pl- platforms looking for a hit, but they make no impact at all. And the better decision is to go all in on one or two platforms. We just talked about that a little bit. Now back to Nike. Nike did this. They were hoping for three million dollars. They thought that three million dollars in sales the first year would be amazing. They'd never done that with any other player in any other sport. So the first year with Jordan, they did $162 million off the one player's shoes. In 1984, Nike had 17% of the shoe market. Today, it's 90% because of this one decision that they made. And in just the last five years, the Jordan brand has brought in $20 billion, billion with a B, dollars in sales. And so I just love the whole, the whole idea of focus. I had no idea that every year passively michael jordan gets between 200 and 300 million dollars from his five percent of every air jordan piece that's sold and that was by the way that was the first deal that was ever done with any nba player because it was always just they're going to pay them here's your sponsorship deal you get two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a year for five years or whatever his mom really pushed for michael deserves a percentage and nike said yes to that and of course, now it happens all the time. But Jordan was the first. Yeah, so. it's an amazing story. It's absolutely really? an amazing story, and you know, and and just an incredible product success too. Because if you think about the product development on that, um, which I know they go into a little bit in the movie as as well, you know, just the risks that they took in terms of developing a shoe that honestly nobody was asking for. You know what I mean? There was no, you know, that's where they sort of made big bets as well. It wasn't just like your every other shoe. There was actually the, some real differences in the product, which is uh, an incredible lesson to us as well. well. The, the, and I didn't know this. Maybe you did. But basically, at the time in 1984, you had to have a certain percentage of white in the basketball shoe. You could right. have some that's color, exactly. but very little yeah. color, right? Yeah. What Nike did was they said, if we're going to make a difference with them, we want this to be Michael Jordan's shoe. They basically went almost all red and black. Right. That's right. And they they said that they would, it was like a $5,000 fine per game if you didn't wear the right shoe. And Nike said that they would pay the fine. Now, today, 
because because that they were they, they were singling it out and however that worked now you can wear whatever you want and that's it, that started in 1984 with this whole thing yeah so interesting yeah. differentiation and focus. yep there you well go. and 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 work in the system right you know as as I've said before, I've talked about it on our on our uh, building an audience, right? Use your juice. Yep. Use your juice. Use 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 what you've got, right? The fact that they could actually pay the fines, great. Use that juice. That's a it's an awesome thing. All right, very quickly, uh, I just wanted a big a big shout out to my friend and 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 our friend, uh, yep. wonderful Ardeth Albi, uh, very wonderful B two B marketing strategist. And she wrote a post, and she's going to be she's very kindly agreed to be a guest on my uh, little community uh, thing that we're doing this Friday in in my little experience advisors community. And she's going to talk a little bit about this, but. She wrote a blog post called B2B Content Marketing, Going Bold or Fading to Beige. Uh, first of all, I love that title. I mean, it's like one of those annoyingly, gosh, I wish I had thought of that title, mm-hmm. but it's great. Um, she, The headline here is, would it surprise you that a whopping 1%, 1% of decision makers in B2B believe that B2B marketing shows a meaningful understanding of the human experience? And that is... An amazing statistic. The finding is from a research report uh, called The Power of Provocation. We're going to link to the blog post because I want to give Ardeth the the hat tip here. Um, But you can get to the Power of Provocation report through her blog post. Um, And it's based on responses from just under a couple of hundred of decision makers in B2B. But all of them are C-level, CMO, CFO, CIO, CCO, COO, CEO, etc. And then uh, basically in, in two... Uh, very distinct industries, financial services and technology, which of course are forward leaning in when it comes to uh, content marketing. Um, and then, so if you go back to the stat, less than two respondents of all of the people that they interviewed basically found B2B, the B2B marketing that they're reading these days meaningful for human beings. And as she asks the question, if that doesn't concern you as a B2B content marketer, it absolutely should. Um, and there's this, as she says, the kiss of beige which is so many B2B organizations don't want to put a stake in the ground. They don't want to actually go to the time and resources of actually doing real research to getting really provocative and or evo- uh, evocative uh, answers, questions, thought leadership, etc. They're just churning out and making the donuts every day. And her blog post, and I'm not going to spoil it any further than that because it's just amazing um, going through it, uh, how her, what her advice is here and all of that. It's just, it's just a terrific, terrific post. Um, so I encourage you all, if you're in B2B marketing, to go read it um, and, uh, and enjoy it as much as I did. Wonderful. Love yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. That's just a super special title as yeah. well. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good from 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 bold to beige. I love it. All right, what uh, what do you got? What what's what's coming up for you? Well, I got you got I got the marathon on Sunday, and then yeah. we're we're a week away. We're just a little more than a week away from Creator Economy Expo. I'm, it's crazy. So, I, I, I'm, 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 where am I going? Am I going to Cleveland? Is that where am I going? To Cleveland. You're okay. Coming, May first to third. You're coming there to Cleveland. There it is. Yeah. And uh, everybody knows if if you're not signed up for this, you're probably not coming by now. But you yeah. should come uh go to cex.events use the coupon code tom to get yourself 200 off and and by the way if you um if you are hard up like you are a new content creator and you really want to to come we do have some scholarships available you can email me directly at jp at the tilt.com jp at the tilt.com we've got a couple really amazing corporate sponsors that are uh, are supporting creators that that are just getting started maybe don't have enough revenue yet we want you all to be there may 1st to 3rd in cleveland and it's gonna be super i'm super looking forward to it so trying to get my scholarship that's right my my scholarship that's right it's interesting about half of our audience is you know they're doing great they're making lots of money bank they're they've made it they're three to seven years in and we've got half the audience that you know are getting started and they're two years in and they haven't made it yet so they need a little help Hashtag fun times. Yeah, exactly. What do you got going on? Uh, I, me, I'm busy, busy, busy. Um, (laughs) I'm like that little magician in the Frosty the Snowman. Busy, busy, busy. It's all good. It's all good. Work is great. New clients, new work. Uh, starting a little bit of travel, and then of course I'm getting my presentation because it's late already to for CEX. Um, getting that presentation uploaded into the system, so I'm working on that because I'm trying something new for the show. 
uh, and yeah. we'll see. Yeah, but I like all, you. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's it's all good. Yeah, you're well, not going yep. beige. I'm not go- going. Well, yeah, I'm not going beige. There's definitely that. Absolutely. Well, that's what your your whole topic is on how you stand out in a sea of in sameness. a sea of sameness. Yep, so that's it. Right? That's, how, that's it. And and so I'm looking forward to that one. So uh, you're not even going to be there, but uh, okay. I am going to so be there. You, you know that I, I stop in every session. To, Sometimes I stop in for talk. a few. You're minutes. not going to come to my talk. There will be somebody who grabs you in the middle of the hallway and goes, "Oh, Joe." I'm such a fan. I need to talk to you about my business. And then you're going to sit and talk with them because you're so nice to do that. I'll and, and I'll say thanks for coming. But my yeah. my my good friend, Mr. Yeah. Robert, he has a presentation right now and my presence is needed. Yeah. That's, <laughs> my presence is needed. And I'll go step in for two minutes and I'll make and sure then, you see right, me. And exactly. then I'll step right and out. And then you'll sneak out. Yes, there we go. There we go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, Get those questions in. We do love them. And uh, we will see you next week. And in the meantime, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.